Island of Ireland, once again for episode number 31, as uh, Lawrence de Sousa was uh, the man that brought us to episode number 30, but I've got another man from the locality of Cork, Kevin Galvin joins me, who we finally met in person at the Sim Racing Expo in Dortmund. Kevin, how are you going? Very good, Alex. Um, yeah, it was really nice to meet you, finally, in Dortmund, and um, I, I feel a little bit... Um, what would I say? Cheated that Lawrence was on before me, but only for the fact that, you know, I know people say Ireland is a small country and we're always trying to say, no, like it's it's a big, not everybody knows each other, but Lawrence literally lives about 10 minutes away from me. So it is very much buying into the cliche of Ireland being a tiny place. But I promise you, there are other places in Ireland where people sim race, not just in Cork. Yeah, considering Jack yeah. was uh, the second ever interviewee on Commentator's Corner anyway, someone that you know That's well, right. having worked with before. But Kevin, one of the things I like all my guests to do is to introduce themselves to the audience, whether they're watching or listening. So take it away. The floor is yours. Yeah, and I feel I need more introductions than most because I'm not uh, as into the whole. I haven't been traditionally into sim racing as long as some of you guys have and people mightn't be as familiar with me. So, um, yeah, I suppose um, originally big soccer head come from a big soccer family, three generations um, fans. Um, always dabbled in soccer commentaries and, and podcasts and things. And then my local team, Cork City, uh, who I would go to all their games home and away. Um, There's very little coverage of the league in Ireland, a lot more now, but at the time there wasn't. So I said, right, I'm going to do commentaries of all the games because I'm going to them anyway. So I might as well provide them for people. So uh, myself and a microphone and a laptop. And eight years later, um, we had done what we called Rebel Radio because we're known as the Rebel Army with Cork being the rebel county. So we, uh, eight years later, we did that. And then I suppose I kind of kept writing in football. Um, was writing for ages, decided nuts to that. Went off and did Asia for nine months, dropped everything, came back, got a job on radio, and then the pandemic happened. So when the pandemic happened, the first thing I did was buy a G29, um, originally for Truxim, I, I won't lie. Um, and I'd always kind of like, we're, we're, we're family of, of PS1 family. So it was like Toka, Touring Cars, the Rally, uh, the original Formula One. So I was always, we were always big into kind of motorsport, but from afar, like we can never afford it. I don't come from a motorsport background. None of the family are really into cars that much apart from my brother. So um, yeah, I suppose motorsport for me was kind of a relatively new thing. Um, so I did a bit of racing um, and then got into iRacing, did the team stuff. And then actually what kind of first happened was I saw race spots coverage of the that year's Nuremberg Ring uh, 24th. And I remember looking at it and going like, this is unbelievable. Like the level of this coverage is, you know, and I hate saying is like real world because that's just a phrase that I think should be banned from sim racing terminology. Um, but we might talk about that later. But like it did really just it did the production values on it were so high. So I suppose I was working as a professional sports broadcaster and I thought to myself, right, well, maybe I can add something here. Like maybe this is actually really high standard. Got involved with Apex Racing TV. They put me on to the Digital Motorsports Championship and then I suppose through the very hard work of Niall Maher, 
um, the Digital Motorsports World Cup happened. And other, other, obviously other people in Digital Motorsports, but really I think Nile was kind of the the lightning paper for it. Um, unbelievable, like two or three days of madness. Um, and uh, really, I, what I felt was a really successful event. And then unfortunately, there was whole plans for things to happen and it never quite happened. So I'm still doing bits and bobs for RCI on ACC. And uh, we worked a bit on VEM. Um, that's the ACC thing with LFM. Um, but I very much um, changed jobs in the meantime, ended up working in a current affairs show. So having gone like fully sport to fully uh, current affairs and now kind of hankering for more sports. So I'm kind of itching to get back into the sports side of it. So that's a very brief resume kind of of where I've been, but um, I've really, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. And, and it was great to go to Sim Expo and actually meet the people that you hear about and you see online it's great to actually put faces to names so um so yeah it was kind of my first time ever actually being amongst it so that was great yeah of course we have to give a shout out to jack canon and bryn lucas uh who were part of the team yeah. uh you and jack uh commentating on all the racing action bryn i've known for quite a few years a very accomplished uh commentator host presenter in his own right so please excuse the noise in the background little uh little pooch is <laughs> probably having a little bit of a whine because he's waiting for mummy to come back and he's just jumped into his bed here in the office get down <laughs> <laughs> so this is th this this happens all the time get in your bed yeah, go on. Uh, yeah. get in your bed go on. we we have our own i have the doors blocked um <laughs> our own our own little mutt hanging around the place which is quite enough um yeah no um jack i um jack and i were paired together with the digital motorsports with apex racing and i really once i kind of found that league i i wasn't really that interested in doing a huge amount of other stuff in the week i had quite a lot with the broadcasting obviously and we were going to matches and doing huge events so um it was brilliant and you know the thing about jack is like you know you can commentate with people and different people get on with different people but like you know when you when you meet somebody and there's that kind of instant connection like you just you're just on the same vibe or on the same page um and that was really me and jack like we we like i stayed over at jack's just before we went to the sim racing expo and we were just like three or four hours over a cup of tea just catching up and it's like falling back into an old you know it's like you know those people that you don't see for months on end and then you meet them and it's like nothing no time has passed at all that's kind of the way myself and jack have been so really um it's one of the best things i've actually gotten out of sim racing with i suppose between that and my own the team wildfire racing the the endurance team that i raised for it's just the the people that you meet and the but myself and jack are just like i've just never met somebody in the online world if you want to put it that way that i've actually met in real life and gone on with as well as jack we just we just get on like a house on fire so hopefully we'll have more projects in the future definitely yeah i mean um coming over to the sim racing expo you know like meeting everyone that had traveled over of course uh, lawrence you know is a well-known content creator in sim racing but then of course the the the, fa the the people that make up the potato nation uh community which is absolutely brilliant having sponsored six race cars including a very good friend uh chaos cole who is a good friend of mine through uh sarah moore who's just become the first ever female winner of the of a race of the indian racing league in chennai not too long ago um yeah. but it was really really good to see that mix of different um product 
product producers such as, of course, some of the big hitters, I mean, Fanatec, I mean, no one could actually just walk past that Aston Martin Valkyrie that they had on their stand and stop drooling. You couldn't stop drooling if you looked at a three million pound car that has about 1200 horsepower and is one of a, a rare breed around the world. But the, the meeting everybody and when you, myself and Jack, like we were, we were just having a chat. I think it was by the, the that wonderful BMW E30 M3 that had that very very uh, weathered um, Barsteiner wrap on it. Yeah. Um, it was really good to to actually meet people in person. And okay, for people wondering how we're how I am actually recording this, it's over Discord via OBS. But meeting people in person is is a very, very different kettle of fish because you're able to actually talk to people rather than being on push to talk or having to worry about shutting doors or whatever. You're like yeah. you're in you're in the space and it was it, it was quite a visceral feeling, wasn't it, meeting up in person? Yeah, there's just like there's I mean, people say it all the time and it's but it's true, there's nothing like actually meeting people. And I think that was one of the things that when we commentated on the Digital Motorsports Championship, because a lot of the lads were Irish. They would have been involved in Mondello Park up in Kildare and Jack would have known them. And obviously I got to know them very well. And I think one of the things that we miss a little bit from commentary when it comes to sim racing is that kind of personal touch. Like you hear commentators and it's kind of like, okay, well, Wednesday I'm doing this race and Thursday I'm doing this race. And and I and obviously commentators are doing the best they can. They're trying to take in as many gigs, but it means that they don't have the time to engage with, I suppose, the drivers as much. Um, so you, there can be a kind of a, I suppose, like driver A is doing this and now driver B is doing this. And like, here is this person whose name I can't pronounce from this country who's, you know, who I've never been to. And I suppose for us, the great thing about the Digital Motorsport series was that we knew the lads really well. We knew them as personalities and we kind of knew the, the, the kind of, I suppose, the rivalries. We knew kind of what made them tick. We knew all the in-jokes. So we were able to kind of add context to what was happening in the racing. So a very famously, I suppose famously, if it is in famously within the digital motorsports group, Keith Dempsey, who was a former FIA motorsport games competitor for Ireland and a guy of a massive amount of respect for, got involved in a couple of incidents in one of our leagues. And I was very, very critical of him. Like on commentary, I was saying like, this guy is full of talent, but he keeps crashing into people. So like, how does he expect to win championships if you can't keep your car clean? And uh, there was a whole weak drama over it, you know, about all these comments that were taking place in the way that things go. But actually what it did was it really added spice to the championship as well, because there was a sense that the commentators were passionate about it, that they actually cared about what was going on, as opposed to just being like, here is commentary by the numbers for this race that I'm, you know, that, that I kind of have to do or that I'm doing every week. And this, this is, by the way, isn't the criticism of, of, of the way it is, because that's the way it is. But I think we're missing, we miss a paddock. You know, that kind of way you always hear about like word around the paddock or you talk to drivers around the paddock. And I think if, um, if there's one thing I'd love to see in sim racing commentary is to see, first of all, more commentators employed and more commentators given the opportunity to have the time to invest in the series that they're racing in so that they can kind of get to know the drivers and then deliver what that like you know yourself from the real world stuff that there is that kind of connection with the drivers and so you understand the context of everything that's going on at the track yeah i completely agree the thing is um from my karting travels you know having been the voice of european rotax for uh the last six years that having that insight where you're able to go and talk to the driver and say 
What happened last time out? Because you had a bit of a mare, didn't you, in the final? Yeah. And that's one of the things that I, I personally, and I, I completely agree with you, Kevin, that we need these little bits of stories, these little sort of like trinkets of information that you can add. And I always, I always think that by being a commentator, you should have your personal way of starting a race. Like mm. it's taken me, I mean, I've been in commentary now for seven years, uh, sim racing within the last three and a half. And it's now where I finally found my catchphrase for starting races, like with Murray Walker or like, say, George Morgan, for instance, who says, go five times when the lights go out. And that's more times yeah. than Murray ever did in his commentary career, God rest his soul. David Croft, it's lights out and away we go. Everyone has an identifiable race start. And yeah, it can take time to get to that point. But I think, yeah, it's that having that paddock-like atmosphere in Discord server, whereby the commentators will look at... Uh, and I use this as a reference point now in sim racing, where I see a Discord. If I see a general chat, I've clicked on that, and I'm waiting to see what skirmishes are happening or whether someone's apologised to somebody for taking them out um, in a race. Yeah. I mean, we had a perfect example quite recently on Amex Global, uh, and it was the Zero League, where it was zero entry, and you you know, you, you get dollars for if you finish in the top 15 and if you get fastest lap or whatever. And uh, we we had, uh, it was Hockenheim Ring, GT4. We just had Heat 1. So top 15 get reversed uh, for Heat 2. And then on the start, uh, an Aston has taken out a, 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 a Lamborghini or a McLaren going into the last double right at Sudkerva. And so everyone else that has passed to miss it has got a black flag. Yeah. And I was just like thinking, so we were having a discussion after the broadcast and I said, what do you think should happen? I said, that guy that caused that, re that, that issue for other drivers, first of all, you can't change the results, but the driver who's caused that, needs to have some sort of penalty thrown their way, whether it be yeah. a quali ban or whether it be can't participate in the next, you know, the next sort of three races uh, or three events. And if they go, well, can't you change the results? Well, no, you can't override a black flag for what's just occurred because yeah. if the results are changed in, an, in a real-life race, let's say GT4 European Series as a comparison, okay, the person who's caused that problem is going to get that slam dunk penalty. But you can't do everything else for the results because it's not going to be it's not going to be right. But even though oh, yeah. even uh, though uh, the fact is on a on a rolling start in an IRL race, you won't have a, a black flag like you will have in iRacing. No, but I think that's I mean that's sport generally, and that's one of the reasons why we love it. I mean, the unpredictability of it. Not not necessarily always the best, well, unless you're watching Formula One this year, but not necessarily always the best car and best driver wins the race, you know? And that's one of the things that I suppose keeps people interested. And I love those reverse grids for that very reason. That's the format that we had in Digital Motorsports, and I was so keen on it because I think to be a great driver is more than half lapping. And a lot of the races you see, it's like they come, they start in first to get a good start, and then they're just hot lapping basically for the rest of the race. And obviously, 
there's a huge amount of talent in that. But what I love is seeing the guys, it was inevitably the guys who were the quickest would always end up rising to the top. So they would start in 15th and they would pick their way through the field and they would avoid the carnage and they would not get in trouble and they would make their way to the front. And like, that's a huge amount of skill in avoiding trouble. And I think people, um, especially when you watch some of the races, you can see that you're kind of watching first place and you're seeing him doing his thing, but it's kind of, watching how people like what i love is seeing a first or second place spin out in the first couple of laps and then tracking them as they work their way back through the field i find those especially in the endurance racing because they're so long to go i love seeing how teams change their strategy and like that's kind of i find that more interesting than watching you know watching a p1 or whatever you know q3 of qualifying because essentially qualifying is just hot lapping anyway so I'd, I'd much rather see a, t a guy go from back to front and show us his actual racemanship as opposed to just okay here's your p1 off you go into the sunset and you know now you've 30 laps to just not crash and you'll be fine you know well um one of the things i like to do here on commentators corner is talk about funny moments on social media so we have had a discussion about this beforehand because i wanted to keep uh kevin prepared for this one unlike everyone else who i've just literally thrown under the bus um but it was at the sim racing expo october the 14th on twitter it's not being called x on this show i don't care elon musk uh, yeah. you can you can bang <laughs> me to rights about that i don't care and the um it just so happened to involve our previous guest, and your words were, Santa's here, and Lawrence gets a tag, uh, and he's got a big bag in his hand, and this was at Strobel's when we were there for the for the party, uh, where all of you lot were watching the rugby between Ireland and New Zealand, and I know that yeah. Jack didn't look too great the following morning, probably having had quite a few beers. I'm not going to talk about that, but what actually was in the bag? <laughs> uh oh god uh there is a there's an nsfw answer to it no there isn't uh, it was all very clean that was a great night because we had um we had kind of gotten onto sim racing expo and we were like like i know it's a german pub but like can we get the match on it is kind of one of the biggest games in irish sporting history because we're not we're usually rubbish at sports so uh we have our own sports that we're really good at and then we're rubbish at all the rest of them so to have a rugby team who's actually could have gotten to a world cup final uh was something for us but um so we kind of managed to get them to do that and there was you know everyone was like yes okay great and then all of a sudden lawrence arrived with a sack of stuff and i had no idea that this was happening by the way because i don't i'm not really a potato nationer like i i get on really well with lawrence and very fondly with him but i wouldn't i we do our own thing myself and jack and mostly um but so i was kind of like what's the story here so lawrence turned up with this like it was literally like a sack of toys for all of his followers so it had like a wheel rim um i had button boxes and um, gloves shoes so uh, lawrence had it set up that either um lawrence would pay for the tickets for the guys to go to sim expo or they would pay for their own tickets and he would buy a bag of goodies and raffle it out so that's what he ended up doing they paid for their own tickets they came over with him and then he as a way of saying thanks for coming over had this big bag of goodies i mean ld is LD is like the king of self-promotion, right? And we take the mick out of him all the time for it. But like, I don't know who else would go to an event with a pic with a with a jersey with their own face on the front of it. But like, whatever way LD's personality is, it just works. Like he's just such a kind of a an extroverted guy that you can kind of understand it. And he's that whole potato nation thing is just they 
like it was the first time I'd really spent that much time with them, and uh, oh, they're just such they're so nice, you know, they're really, really kind of very normal, nice guys. And actually, I ran into one of them, Gavin Taylor, who I give a shout out to, um, in a pub in Kilkenny, um, months afterwards, and actually, only very recently. And the pub was packed, and there was no seats to be had. And Gavin came up to me and said, Look sit yourself in there you could sit yourself in my seat there now until you get started out for a table so it just, just goes to show you that you know can pay off down the line so um but lawrence's uh what lawrence does is it's really funny because he just lives in this kind of housing estate in balancolic which is kind of on the suburbs it's very just normal kind of tech guy and then all of a sudden he has this huge <laughs> following that watches his streams and everything you know it's it's and in ireland i suppose you know, I suppose it more. I think more in England, you can kind of get away with it. There's that sense of because it's such a bit. It's more of a bigger place, so you kind of do your own thing. But in Ireland, it's very much like don't be getting notions now. Don't you be thinking now you're Mister Celebrity. So it, for him to do that, like we take the piss out of him mercilessly, but it's all in good jest. He takes it well in fairness. Then. Yeah, I, so, yeah. I, I can't. I can't remember the first time I actually met Lawrence, which was funny enough in Nuremberg. Um, I door stopped him whilst he was probably finishing off a live stream that he normally likes to do whenever he goes to an event. Uh, and then he got me back and then papped me whilst I was on the stage <laughs> in the commentary, uh, on the commentary booth, which was, you know, it was very, very different for those wondering about how big the stage was in Nuremberg. It was massive, absolutely massive. Mm. We had um, main sort of like main stage bit. And then we had, uh, a seating area on one side, seating area on the other side for the respective panels. And then the commentator position for me and for Corby, who was doing it, and also Paul Glover from Sim Racing GP, it was 15 to 20 feet in front of the main stage. And also on day one, I remember Luke and Matt are going like, hello, we're still here, like when they'd actually, <laughs> they'd actually pan to us on the camera. And then I remember um, there were no screens. So there's no feed being pumped to us apart from the big screen that we could see in front of us with a big cam, like big, like proper industrial strength TV camera from what looked like the early 2010s <laughs> like, yeah. uh, that looked rather, rather expensive with a big, huge halo light in front of it. And so had to ask for screens, had to ask for PowerPoint, uh, power sockets as well. So an extension cable. Um, and then very, very different this year in, in, in Dortmund, the, I have to say that the stage and the commentary position was a lot better because we were actually able mm -hmm. to use the Trinitron screen as the output for what mm -hmm. myself and Nico were seeing. And it was also a great place for Luke and Matsu to sort of like have a, a seat of their own. And it was very, very cozy in comparison. And we had a packed house for, I think it was the first race of the professional trophy on the Saturday. And I managed to get a round of applause from everybody in the, in the stage, which was actually quite a nice feeling. And Matsu had done the, the thing of speaking in English. And then for those that didn't understand, speaking German and get a lot of people <laughs> to come over to the stage, which was uh, pretty, pretty good. But what were your, what were your impressions of, of the Sim Racing Expo uh, from, from your aspect, Kevin? Yeah, it's a funny one. Um, I think, I suppose the reason we went over there, I suppose, the funny thing was we originally went over there because we had this podcast called The Final Stint, which was uh, all kind of endurance racing. It was supposed to be about endurance racing, real and virtual. And it kind of was a an idea of a teammate of mine in Wildfire. And we decided, I kind of said to him, look, like I'm working full time. I've done an awful lot of podcasts. Like, 
everybody thinks it's great to do a podcast until you actually realize the amount of work that goes into doing a podcast. So like, unless you're kind of willing to like do the work, do the extra work, then there's no point. So we kind of carried it on. We got some good guests in fairness. Um, but anyway, I digress. So that kind of fell through because I was doing all the work on it essentially <laughs> without being too fine of a detail on it. And I was also working in a job that like the job I have at the moment is very high stress and kind of constantly around the clock. Um, so I was just like, look, lads, I don't have time for it. I'm going to pack it in. So we packed it in. But we had had Danny uh, from uh, the company who run Sim Racing Expo, Danny Jusa. And um, he was a great guest and we got on really well. And we kind of made a decision on the spot. We were like, look, let's go. Like, what have we got to lose? So we decided we were going to go. And then um, we, about a week before the event, we saw a poster of a meet and greet and we were on it. <laughs> like, um, we haven't had a podcast for the last like eight months so I don't think anybody really wants to meet and greet us I think nobody even remembers we it kind of existed in the first place Um, so uh, we went over there so I suppose when I went over there it was kind of a chance to meet people it was a bit of networking which I hate doing by the way networking is like I hate networking it's one of the things I hate the most or like not not networking but you know like that kind of disingenuous networking where it's like oh it's great to know you kind of have a job you know what I mean? It's like that kind of like I'd much rather meet people and have a bit of fun with them. And then naturally, but I find these things. So we were doing a lot of kind of walking around in circles and it was so packed on the Saturday that we didn't really get to sample that much. So in a way, I thought it was um, like, I think one of the things I took away from it was, I think, I suppose I'll preface this by saying the most interesting thing I thought there was the coffee racer stand. That for me was the best thing there. Um, it wasn't the most high tech. Most certainly wasn't the most flash thing there. Um, well, that and the E30, the M3 E30, which I was a massively big fan of. Um, but um, but you can take your Valkyrie. I don't care. I, I'd, I'd take a BMW E30 over Valkyrie any day. But that's just me. I completely um, agree on that one. Yeah, I completely <laughs> agree. Classics, but um, and I just find there was I found there was a lot of kit there for a lot of people who really probably couldn't afford it. So I thought the racing stuff was great we were talking about it ourselves about how we really said like more land events need to happen there needs to be more and for the very reason that we were talking about earlier actually being able to speak to people and meet people and for their the drivers to interact with each other and you know i'd much rather a guy take out another guy and for them to be in the same room and have to talk to each other in person after about it as opposed to just being like sorry on discord you know that it like i feel like there's that little bit more respect when you're actually sitting in a room with somebody as opposed to just racing with them online. And also you can do all the side stuff from our point of view. It's great because we can nip off and grab somebody for an interview here or grab a chat there and, and use that kind of in our own commentaries, which I think enhances the whole experience for everyone watching. But um, I, I, I thought it was like, I haven't, I suppose I don't really have anything to compare it with. Um, I wouldn't be like, I suppose I, I thought it's, there's huge potential there if we could get more stands and i know moza kind of last minute pulled out and there was a few other bits but um i just felt like a lot of it was a, a lot of really on it look it's an expo so it's an opportunity for them to show off their highest tech but I, a lot of the a lot of the stuff there i kind of felt like will you actually really use that or is it just a kind of a gimmick for people to kind of you know so from that perspective, a lot of the stands weren't of massive interest to somebody who doesn't, you know, like obviously I'm working a full-time job, but I'm still not, I'm not, you know, I don't own my own company or anything like that. I don't have the money to splash. So a lot of it wasn't hugely relevant to me, but it was just great to meet people, like meet yourself, 
meet Luke, Luke Crane, obviously meet Jaroslav Hanzik, who obviously I commentate on and watched quite a lot of his content. Went over to Williams stand, we're chatting to those guys for a bit. And I suppose next time now we commentate on those guys, first of all, we know what they were like. And secondly of all, we can say, oh, well, I chatted to him a few months ago. And, you know, it's, I think it's just the more, the more personal you can keep it and the more you know people, the better experience you can have for the viewers. Because they want to know as well, what's he actually like? Or, you know, what are they interested in? Or what was that conversation that you had? So um, from that perspective, it was good. But I would say as somebody who isn't massively into the real techie side, I'm not a tech nerd. It wasn't for me as much as it would have been for some other, but like some of Lawrence's crew loved it. They loved the pouring over the different tech and the different specs and all that stuff. For me, I'm more into the kind of competition of sim racing as opposed to the, the, the kind of the hardware side of it, if you know what I mean. I think you also make a very good point with regards to LAN events, you know, that obviously when, you and you, Jack and, and Bryn were, were in Poland for the Digital Motorsports World Cup, which was a, a LAN event in terms of hosting, but everyone mm. was off-site, you know, mm. at home in their own respective bubbles. And we're seeing a lot of tournament, tournaments now. I mean, we've got ESL R1 coming up um, in a couple of weeks' time at, at DreamHack in Sweden, where it's warts and all. No one can hide. Um, but are we going to see... Like when I, I still remember seeing um, when they went to Katowice uh, in, in the arena there, and that was the first two rounds. And they had all 48 drivers there. They had a big production value. And then they go to interview the drivers, and you just like go, ask this question. And then all of a sudden, you get a one word answer, and it's like, where are the stories? You know, where's the personality? And like everyone, mm. and when I got to know, a lot of the team, like say from Williams Esports, like say good old Dara McCormack, um, absolute wizard behind the wheel and always got time for him. I still remember when I first uh, worked with Williams a long, long time ago and Dara was one of the first people. He said, oh, hi, Alex. Just a, And the icebreaker was how to pronounce his first name because <laughs> yeah. people might say phonetically, oh, is it D-A-R-A-H? No, it's not. It's D-A-I with an, with an accent on it, R-E. And then yeah, he told me, yeah. he told, and it's, that's the, that's the thing when, when it's like the, the diff, the spellings are completely different to the pronunciations with, with, mm. uh, like say Neve, <laughs> you know, another perfect example of an Irish first yeah. name. But I think, yeah, I completely understand. And I wholeheartedly agree that there should be more land events coming up. I mean, obviously we're now through, what happened in in 2020 right the way through to mid 2022 with the pandemic but i think yeah more land events i mean dreamhack is is coming back with full force obviously um esl you know one of the biggest players in the market when it comes to esports in general and we're not just talking racing we're talking league of legends counter-strike 2 um so much going on um but i i think you know, it, it's a case of the bubble hasn't burst yet for esports. I think. It, w- would you agree on that, Kevin? Like the way that it's going. I think people at the time during COVID overemphasized the growth that was going to happen with the pandemic. I do think that people thought, "Oh, this is it now." Like, especially for sim racing, I think people thought this is our big moment. Like, it's only uphill from here. And then 
you find that people actually do kind of tend to go back to their old habits. So, you know, even our own team at Wildfire, it was like we were at one point, we had four or five cars into the Daytona 24 hours. Now we're struggling to enter one car with four drivers because people are just busy. They have life and things and buying a house and other guys have kids and people have college and like that's just the reality of it. So I think um, I think when it comes to LAN events, like to be fair with the Digital Motorsports World Cup, we did manage to get the Polish drivers on site. That was as much as we could do with the regulations that were there at the time. We couldn't fly in people from abroad. That was one of the reasons why the we actually had a presenter change because one of our presenters literally couldn't make it because of the COVID restrictions in their country. And I thought it wasn't going to happen at all. I mean, when it first was announced, I thought right, well, Ireland was in very stringent lockdown and there was no hope of us ever getting out of the country. I mean, I was delighted to get outside 5K, never mind getting a flight to go across Europe, you know? um and i felt very privileged so in that way it was good that we did get to get some drivers on site and we did get to chat to them but i think with the um i don't think i don't think the bubble has burst but i i certainly don't think the bubble was as as great as people thought one of the things you mentioned there which i thought was kind of interesting was kind of like um you're saying having all the drivers on site and you try and interview them and the kind of one word answers and it's a funny one because we always talk about media training as negative thing because people think that media training is the ability to deflect uh and or deflect the answers right but my feeling about media training is media training gives you the tools to express yourself without making an idiot of yourself so you can be confident in saying what you want to say without saying it in a way that um you know puts some throw somebody under the bus and i think it would be great for some of these esports teams with the resources that they have to lean on a little bit. Because, like, you see the drivers. I mean, the drive to survive thing is the, the, the example that's always used. But even in interviews, they're like drivers are relatively honest without giving too much away, but they always stay true to themselves and their own personalities, and they're not afraid to express their personalities. And that's something I think that we've seen more recently. I think, like, my era of watching Formula One, I remember best is kind of Murray Walker, ITV um kind of mid 2000s and there was no personalities on the grid you never heard about what the drivers were doing or what they were like or what their personalities were like apart from michael schumacher because he was the only one that was winning ever, anything and eddie jordan or eddie uh, eddie irvine should i say who was kind of notorious in ireland for being a bit of a party boy and all that kind of stuff but other than that like we didn't really hear about the personalities and i think again esports that's something that we miss a little bit just because I think it's those guys, like they're trained to be drivers. They spend most of their time, let's be honest, by themselves, practicing in their either their bedrooms or wherever it is. So when you shove a camera in front of their face, I think, you know, people who do that tend to be naturally more introverted because they enjoy video games that are a little bit more. And I say video games as a, you know, as an overall genre. But um, so it's very hard for them then to kind of naturally be very relaxed in front of camera. That's why people like watching streamers <laughs> because they are have that kind of personality about them. So for us, it's our job to try and bring them out of their shell. But I think there's also a certain amount of onus on the teams themselves to work with drivers and say, okay, well, look, there are going to be more LAN events. You are going to have the camera put in front of yourself a bit more. There's no problem with you being you. Just don't tell that joke that you told on Discord the other day because that won't go down well. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of, it's about, that balance between um, them being comfortable to express their personality without feeling like 
they'll say something wrong and it'll cause this big online drama. Because as we both know, the sim racing world loves nothing more than a bit of a thirst for some nonsense drama that, that really doesn't really affect anybody, but people love talking about it anyway, you know? Yeah, that's very true. I mean, especially when uh, we saw all the moves that were being made in the sim racing like driver market, like some big mm. names moving on, like Door Esports uh, having Moritz Lerner move to Mouse. And then we mm. find that Max Benecke also joins him having left Redline. And then you've got the tallest sim racer in the world, uh, Yuri Kasdorp, um, <laughs> also moving to Mouse, along with, uh, I think it was uh, Patrick Hoffman. So you saw all these moves. You then saw the likes of Blyer, um, Yezzy Glatch moving to Williams, uh, Dennis Scheninger moving from Unicorns of Love to Williams. It was, it, I think it was as soon as everyone had started announcing where they were going or the teams were doing it for them, it was like this complete whirlpool of madness where everyone couldn't believe what was going on. I mean, forget what the F1 driver market's normally put at the point when it yeah. when silly season sort of comes around and about Spa-Francorchamps onwards. Um, mm. But yeah, I think like you say, it's just like having those stories and, and having those drivers bring a little bit more of a sort of a personality. But as you say, I think as Shakespeare said it rightly, to thine own self be true. You know, you want to, yeah. you want to sort of give it away, give some things away, but not give everything away, like say strats and, like the, the old 3000 IQ strats that we keep on hearing of on sim racing commentary these days. Um, but I've got some other questions because, I mean, that's been quite an in-depth, nice in-depth chat that we've we've actually had. So I've actually gone away from my usual line of questioning, folks, because sometimes it doesn't always work. It doesn't always work depending on who I have on the show. But Kevin, um, obviously having been a, a broadcaster for sports and obviously doing the sim racing, has there been any commentators that you've always enjoyed listening to? I mean, I would take it Murray's one of them, but are there any others that, whether it be from motorsports or for, for sort of like sports broadcasting, such as football, rugby, are there any sort of commentators that really stand out to you? Yeah, I, well, and from the motorsports side, I love Martin Haven. Um, I know he's kind of controversial in some ways, but um, I love how irreverent he is. Um, he just comes up with the, What's the what's the is the is this uh, the heroin line with the halfway through Le Mans last year where somebody jumps in? It's oh no, not that. Um, that that kind of stuff. Like, I just I find him very funny. He's he's I suppose he's a great example of somebody who's so knowledgeable about their sport that they don't feel like they have to be knowledgeable about it because they're you know that they're, they're 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 they have so much knowledge that they're quite comfortable expressing it if and when required um so from that side i think he's excellent actually from the sim racing side um i love listening to lewis mcglade um i think he's he's a great commentator and um i i find him really insightful without being again overly kind of shoving it down your throat um so because i think some guys they almost feel like they have to prove the knowledge that they have when in actual fact knowledge is a is an assist to what you're doing not the reason why you're doing it um from other sports um i suppose it's a very good question. There's some broadcasters. I don't know necessarily about commentators. Definitely commentators I don't like. Um, <laughs> in certain worlds, of course. Like, um, like I mean, Motti would be a great example of somebody that I was a very controversial hot take, but I was never really that much of a fan of Motti. I know he's kind of um, this iconic character in British sport, but just the, the shouting. Um, it just 
it just really like it's just a constant shouting and there's a few others have taken that on um there's a guy who does a lot of stuff uh, for commentaries in england and he's an irishman Conor mcnamara um he does a lot of rugby um has done a lot of sport on match of the day in the past as well so i'd listen a lot to him and then i suppose another person who i think is really good on soccer would be um kieran dyer um Sorry, um, not Kieran Dyer, Jermaine Genus. I always get those two mixed up for some reason because they both play oh, Newcastle. Oh, yeah, J- Jermaine is an app, he is a character. Yeah. I mean, especially when you see the chats between him, <laughs> Gary Lineker, and Ad- uh, Alan Shearer. Like, it's yeah. just complete and utter farcical comedy. It's like they're the three Ronnies, let alone the two Ronnies, uh, <laughs> you know, with Ronnie Baker and Ronnie, Ronnie Parker. I like Genus, though. I really do like the fact that he, like, he can kind of do both. Like, He's, I suppose he's modern enough. He's a young guy. He kind of gets the young side of things. But then also he's very analytical, does some really good analysis. And I know a lot of that is done by the actual Match of the Day team. But the way he delivers it is is really, I just, I really like him. I've seen him in a lot of other things. He comes down, he comes across very well. Um, but yeah, there's definitely some I just kind of grind. Like I suppose, in, and it's kind of hard because we have a lot of Irish examples that people might necessarily be familiar with. But our own national broadcaster has a big focus on Gaelic games in Ireland. So what you end up having is Gaelic games commentators commentating on soccer matches and then getting all the positions incorrect because they still think they're commentating on a Gaelic match. So it's like, it's or, you know, calling teams by the wrong names or not giving them the full names because they don't know because there's, it's so those, I have a lot of like pet peeves. So I think I always try and take those and kind of think to myself, I suppose I would always, my, my dad is, very passionate about his sport and about commentators so sometimes when i commentate the first thing in my mind is like would he be annoyed if i said that would he think that was a stupid thing to say so before i open my mouth sometimes that's kind of what i think of uh, when i think and it's actually it's it's led me fairly well thus far especially when it comes to soccer anyway before i open my mouth and say something stupid i always think right would would he be calling me an, an idiot if i said that uh, okay better not say it <laughs> <laughs> all words to that effect if it's talking yeah. face to face um i mean with any commentator or broadcaster you know there's always sort of future goals that we as individuals like to sort of set ourselves have you got any sort of like future goals in, in in what you want to achieve in in the broadcasting space so to speak kevin oh oh yeah absolutely um commentate at the olympics that's definitely a long-term goal um i suppose uh, i was hoping for paris because i speak french but unfortunately it looks like i'm running out of time rather rapidly for that so i'll have to go probably as a spectator instead um i think one of the things i wanted to do is i always wanted to get like an all-ireland final i did that got to work at an fai cup final um some of the bigger events ireland international matches i'd love to i'd love to commentate at a world cup finals um i would love to um and again like when it comes to the sim racing side of things another digital motorsports world cup or something to that liking i mean i had obviously come from the radio world and this is where Bryn was amazing Bryn is such a pro with tv i mean he obviously gets it so well he's done so much and i've done i've done pieces to camera and i've done video stuff but not to the full production tv studio that that the world cup was and i remember kind of flying over there being like super nervous being like oh god like you know you're not the greatest looking chap uh you have a bit of a lisp like when people start judging you on tv and how will it all go you know yourself i mean everybody has though you know if you put a camera in front of any anybody nobody's gonna look at themselves and be like i look amazing i am class you know like everyone's gonna have those things in their mind they're gonna kind of be going what's going on 
but the minute I got there and I got to the TV gantry, I just felt so like I felt very comfortable. I I mean, I don't want to say I felt at home, but like I felt very comfortable. I kind of thought to myself, yeah, this is kind of what I'd really like to do. So definitely I'd love to be working full time as a commentator in the TV sphere or sphere or as a, some sort of reporter in sport. Um, my career has taken a very different path at the moment, but hopefully in, in years to come, I'll be back working on sport in front of the camera or in some capacity broadcasting um, because I just, I, it, it's a kick. You know yourself, like the buzz you get from it. It's, you could, if you could box it up and sell it, you'd make millions. So, you know, it's, it's brilliant. And I've got one final question before we wrap things up. It's been a real pleasure having you on the show, Kevin, and thanks for taking the time out of your schedule to, to join me. Um, now, we're going to go back to motors. We're going back to cars and we're going to racetracks. So, Kevin Galvin, in your own time, if you had no budget, no glass ceiling, and you could pick either a choice of road car or race car, what one would or what ones would you have? You can have more than one because there is no budget involved. And what <laughs> circuit would you drive around? Now, there is a little bit of a flip side on this because Kevin will give his response and then mm. I will retort looking at the same era and the same track possibly as my answer to the question. So, Kevin, take it away. I like that. Um Ah, it it just, I mean, off the top of my head, it has to be the E30 Evo that we, I mean, I love that car. It just so happens that it was at Sim Racing, Sim Racing Expo. That is probably my favorite race car of all time. Um, And yeah, it just has to be nerves, doesn't it? Like you can't take an, an, an M3 E30 to to Catalonia. Like it has to be driven somewhere proper. So yeah, I think, um, e, yeah, the Evo, M3 Evo um, are all nerves with full sequential. Um, yeah, definitely. That'll be my answer. Okay, so we're talking early 1990s DTM style here, folks. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm going to look at one of their competitors, and it was the big one that was alongside him, the three-pointed star, the Mercedes 190 Evo 2.316 Cosworth. And it's not the Hockenheim we know now. It's the Hockenheim that went through the forest, and it was over 6.6 oh, kilometers long. So... <laughs> Kevin, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Uh, Folks, if you do want to give Kevin a follow, links are in the description for socials. Kevin, thank you so much for joining me for episode 31. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Alex. And um, again, it was so nice to meet all of you at the Sim Racing Expo and really hope that more LAN events would see each other shortly and we'd be able to, to catch up over a few beers. Definitely. That looks to be the case, hopefully, for 2024, because, of course, for those wondering, the dates for the ADAC Sim Racing Expo in Dortmund for 2024 are the 18th to the 20th. Tickets will be opening, I think, not too far away from now. But uh, don't forget, if you haven't already liked, shared or subscribed on the YouTube channel, please feel free to do so. If you have been listening on either one of the following uh Following audio spaces, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on Downforce Radio, the nation's motorsport station. Thank you so much for listening and for watching. And I'll see you again soon for episode 32. If in doubt, flat out, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye.